podcast where best friends and next door neighbors, Willow and Lillian, spill the tea on murder, mysteries, and other things that go bump in the night. So get your favorite teacup ready and let's get into it. Welcome to Cruelty Podcast. This is Lillian. And with me, as always, is Willow. Hi. 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 <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Daylight savings time should be banned because I don't know what time it is at all now. I haven't paid attention to the time. It feels like 3 a.m., but it's not. But it feels that way. I'm just all fucked up. <laughs> so today, and uh, along with a the theme of femme fatales, uh, I'm going to cover Lizzie Borden. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not what I would think of when I think of Femme Fatale, which honestly, um, I had to actually look it up because I was like, ooh, Lizzie Borden is a child. No. No. Like the whole time. 32 years old woman. Yeah. Yeah. Like my age. Like Mm -hmm. I had no idea. I always thought of Lizzie Borden as like this little child. I think it's because the nursery rhyme they made about her smacking her parents around with a hatchet. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's still to this day that crime remains technically unsolved. Uh, The murder of Andrew and Mm -hmm. Abby Borden. Mm -hmm. But it's solved. Yeah. It's solved. And you know, people can come at me. You know where what they can do. That's right. Like my butthole. Mm-hmm. So, a little rhyme is fun. It's where Lizzie Borden took an axe. Gave her mother 40 wax. And when she saw what she had done, she, she gave, gave her, her father, father 41. 41. That Catchy as fuck, isn't it? It is, and untrue. Uh, she didn't whack nobody 40 times. But anyway, I'm going to look into this case and uh, to me she's a Victorian femme fatale just because the titties ain't hanging out and she's all sexy right, right. to me it's just a lady who killed someone mm-hmm. and I wanted to get away from the trope of sexy lady murdering people and move on to like unconventional ladies murdering people as for fun mm-hmm. I don't know why that's fun but it is So, to this day, this case remains as fascinating as when it first happened, largely because I think it's got the little unsolved tag going on with it. Mm -hmm. So, let's talk about Lizzie, shall we? Okay. Shall we? We shall. Born July 18th, 1860, as Lizzie Andrew Borden. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that middle name, I'd say. (laughs) She was a cancer. Right. What, what, What was her birthday again? July 18th, 1860. Okay. The case that I'm studying that I'm going to do later is a cancer as well. So we have cancer week this week. You guys just killing everybody. Crazy news. And she was born in Fall River, Massachusetts to Andrew Jackson Borden and Sarah Anthony Borden. Everybody has doodly. I think back then it was really common for a daughter to have her father's first name as her middle name. Oh, I didn't even catch on to that part. Okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. She had two sisters, Alice and Emma, and there's, like, zero information on Alice, except that she died sometime in early childhood. Lizzie never even met Alice, who was the oldest sister. And Emma was Lizzie's older sister. Sarah, her mother, died right after having her from complications from childbirth, which was totally super common in the Victorian times. Yeah, I would have definitely been one of them. Ditto. <laughs> Andrew, Lizzie's father, was said to be a dour and humorless man. And if you look at pictures, yep. <laughs> and 
he came from pretty like affluent beginnings, but had some financial trouble troubles when they were younger. Mm-hmm. But he fixed all that and became like the richest man in that area. Nice. Yeah. He was a banker and property developer. Only three years after Sarah's death, he married another woman, Abby. Lizzie did not like her stepmother. I love the name Abby. It's a good it's a good name. And their relationship was described as sour. And when Lizzie got older, she feared she would lose her part of the inheritance to Sarah, to Abby, excuse me, once her father died. In addition, Lizzie and Emma were frequently at odds with their father. They loved him a lot, but they were both super fucking spoiled. Mm. They were spoiledy, spoiledy, spoiled. Kind of sheltered and spoiled. And they just like, but daddy... I wanted Jetty. Yes, all the time. Mm -hmm. And he was really penny-pinching. Like, they lived in a part of town that would be considered kind of almost lower middle class. Okay, so they had nice things because they were frugal and... I mean, mean, he made good money, but... He made way more money than he spent. And he was frugal to the point, like, it annoyed them. Mm -hmm. They should have lived in a better area of town, Daddy. They lived in, like, a cheap part of town they had a nice house but like they could have lived it 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 wasn't high society enough for them right right it didn't come with a title and i'm gonna guess his wealth uh is why this case was so big it was really the first big american murder trial (coughs) ever Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting. I mean, um, it has become like an Americana type story. It sure is. It really is. It's very, very much so. And like, he was just kind of an unlikable dude who lived beneath his means with his two spinster daughters. Now, Emma was a few years older than Lizzie, and she was 32 at the time of the murders. And at that age, if you aren't married, you're done. Yeah, I was about to say You're done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is is what a stereotypical Spencer is. Mm -hmm. And I'm like 42. I think it's funny. uh, At that age, I mean, the life expectancy was very low. Sure. And... You're starting to get past the birth and years. Mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. And... Man, but it killed your social standing. Yes, it did. You didn't go anywhere yes, or have did. any friends. So not only were they unwed, but they also, you know, didn't come with the flashy Mm-mm. things and everything that gave them their title kind of thing. They just, if you were, an, you couldn't go anywhere if you were a woman back then without like a male escort. And so most women, they'd have a husband and, but... But they didn't seem to mind. Like, Emma and, and, like, Lizzie were cool with that because they were really active in their church. Like, that was their whole thing. Oh, I know. You're making a face. I'm like, ew. <laughs> Lizzie later, like, became a Sunday school teacher. And she took part in several Christian women's groups, specifically the Christian Endeavor Society and the Women's Christian Temperance Movement. Now, the Christian Endeavor Society, I don't know fuck all about. I tried looking, and it just will only mention Lizzie Borden. So I can't... It was like a charity, basically. But the Temperance Movement, (laughs) that was very anti-alcohol. That was all about, like... 
Oh, and um, what's a... Carrie Nation was yeah. a part of the temperance mm-hmm, movement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do and they know each other, do you think? I don't know. I doubt it. Carrie A. Nation is a local celebrity, I guess you could call her. From uh, around here. Yeah, around. Carrie yeah. Nation... Um, she really hated alcohol use, so she would go fire and brimstone preach in public spaces. Mm-hmm. And the last place she lived was here in Eureka Springs. And she, and she did have a hatchet, only she didn't hatchet people. She went in and hatcheted bars. And, and people's drinks out of there. But it was around the same time as those murders mm-hmm. were committed, so maybe there's something to it. Mm-hmm. Them temperance women need to have a drink and calm Sit down. Sit down, ma'am. Sister. 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 (laughs) So, yeah, she never expressed any desire to marry, and neither did her sister, Emma. And this has given rise to partly, it's part of the reason people like to talk about whether or not Lizzie was a lesbian. And I don't think her spinsterhood alone could account for that. I think she saw no reason to have a husband because her dad was rich. And you can control more of your life if you don't have a man controlling it. True. And I'm pretty sure that was kind of her line of thinking. And so there's a lot of talk, too, especially since there was a movie recently made about it, that her and the maid Bridget, the Borden's maid, were lovers. And I'm just going to put a big no on that. Yeah, that's a cute little ship, though. (sighs) Not really. Poor Bridget. I will be talking about her a little bit. Okay. Just so, because she's often accused of the murders in place of uh, Lizzie and just fucking, she had no money. A lot whatsoever. of times back then, the, the servants or maids or whatever they were called were, like, the help, the hired help would be, you know, uh, charged with crimes and stuff. Oh, yeah, crimes. because she was an Irish immigrant. Oh, well, yeah. And we yeah, hated those. There. We hated those. Yeah. And I just want to note that if her sexuality had been in question back then, it would have been brought up at trial, and it never was. Oh, really? Never. No, and I've read the court minutes, and they're boring. Yeah. Yikes. So I think the reason people jump to this is because it kind of neatly would explain why she killed her father and stepmother, is that she's having this illicit affair with the maid, the father threatens to send Bridget away, end the affair, make her marry someone, and so she kills them. To kind of, you know, keep her secret. But, uh, 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 I just, I think that's too salacious, and I don't think that's the reason, and I'll get into my theories later. So, other than these scant details, we don't know a lot about Lizzie's early life, and I'm not going to say because it's, like, lost to time or anything. I just don't think they did anything. They lived in the same house. They did the same thing every day. It just was not an exciting life. She went to fucking church, and she hung out with some ladies that lived on her street that were her friends. That's it. It's just not exciting. Yeah. And so there's not, like, there's a lot of, like, modern authors who write about Lizzie Borden will accuse Andrew of being sexually abusive or even physically abusive to Lizzie. There's no evidence of that in any of her writings, or at trial. I was about to ask if, if they had diaries and stuff. If they did, they weren't read at trial, and they were not published to my knowledge. To my knowledge, that doesn't mean they don't exist. Mm-hmm. And letters between... I know letters between Emma and Lizzie have been published. Nothing like that's ever mentioned. Ever. So, while I guess that's a solid theory and a possibility, 
I'm not going to get into it because it's just a big question mark. We just don't know. If it wasn't said, like, explicitly that, like, that happened, then... I don't like to perpetuate those kind of rumors. They're gross. Yeah, and, I mean, at the end of the day, he is a victim in this. Yeah. And so we don't need to... I I think people just wanted to give... To humanize Lizzie and make her seem like like less... A good reason. Mm -hmm. Especially there's some misogyny involved in here, too. Because, oh, a woman wouldn't do such a thing. Yeah. Well, sure she would. Yeah. We've got plenty of uh, Mm -hmm. evidence towards that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Just just wasn't a lot going on. I mean, she she loved her dad very, very much. And she she talked about that freely and openly. She was pretty open that she did not care for her stepmother. And I'm just going to leave that out there. So I got on August 4th, 1892, at 11.10 a.m., Bridget, who was called Maggie by the... Borden sisters, and no, I don't know why, was in her room in the attic. That's usually where the help stayed. Yes. And y'all, it was a miserable fucking hot day in August. It was gross. It, and it's so hot up in that attic. I just feel sorry for Bridget. She recalls hearing Lizzie shout from downstairs, Maggie, come down. And she called out, What's the matter? I just want to pause here. And say, like, anytime you call for the help or a kid and say, come here. They're like, what is it? Bitch, I said, come here. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to shout no more. I shouted once. It's all I'm doing. (laughs) My youngest does it. I'll be like, come here. And John will be like, what is it? I won't answer. I hate that that it's so ingrained in me because I was brought up in a house that yelled across the house at each other that I will start my sentence at one end of the house and be talking. And it's just, it's so annoying. It annoys me. Yes. Anyway, Lizzie then said, come down quick. Father's dead. Somebody's come in and killed him. Here I would like to pause. Okay, you're Lizzie. You have walked into the house. Your dad is so grossly murdered. His blood is everywhere. He doesn't even really have a head anymore. Are you going to talk about it like that? Quick! Somebody (laughs) must have come in and finished him off. What? Wouldn't you be just like, ah! I'd just be screaming. screaming. My fucking head off. I'd be inaudible. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, incoherent Mm -hmm. craziness. Okay, but then I also want to add the caveat that not everybody reacts the same way to trauma. It is not an indicator of guilt. True. Although that was a weird way to phrase it, in my opinion. So Bridget came downstairs and found Lizzie by the back door. She told Bridget not to go in the sitting room. Instead, she told Bridget to go and run and fetch the doctor who lived across the street. Dr. Bowen was not home, but Bridget told Mrs. Bowen that Mr. Borden had been killed. She ran back to Lizzie to tell her that the doctor was not in, and Lizzie sent her down the street to a neighbor's named Alice Russell. Now, Alice was Lizzie's good friend. They were good friends. There's a singer named Alice Russell. I don't know her. She's amazing. Anyways. So here we're going to talk a little about Bridget. So she had recently immigrated from Ireland in 1886 and was 26 at the time of the murders. So she's just a baby. Yeah. She was a pretty woman with strong features and seemed to be just like a nice young lady. She just a hard worker. She'd worked in the Borden home as a maid since 1889, so she'd been there a minute. She left the Borden household for good the following Saturday after the murders and never returned. Yeah, I would too. 
She was like, fuck this. It was rumored that Lizzie paid her off. And I think this is where some of the accusations that Bridget was involved in the murder come from. Mm. Because she wanted to go home to Ireland after this. To be with her family. Because Jesus. And Lizzie and Emma did help her with the money to go back home. That's just them not being pieces of shit. That's Mm -hmm. not like paying her... When she died in 1948, she was by no means wealthy, as it's implied. Like, they gave her a ton of money, and she went and bought a farm. She she mm-hmm. it ended up coming back to the U.S. later and died in Montana, and very modest means. She yeah. never had a lot of money. She was always poor. So I think that's stupid. Yeah. I, think it's, I don't think Bridget had anything to do with anything. No, I think, I think if anything, they paid to kind of get her out of the way. Or just say she they just they or, liked oh her. Oh my god, we just we've all we been through something here. Here's some yeah. money, go home. That's what I yeah. think happened. That poor girl. So while Bridget ran off to fetch Alice Russell, a busybody across the street noticed all the commotion at the Borden household and hollered to Lizzie who was outside. And that woman's name was Adelaide Churchill. And I love the name oh Adelaide. My pretty name such a good name but can you just see her just like "Mm, what's going on over there (laughs) miss adelaide churchill knows everything about everybody yes (laughs) draw your windows and so she hollered at lizzie like what's going on and lizzie's like outside at the time she didn't want to wait inside which Mm -hmm. understandable and she was like come quickly uh." and so she came over and immediately asked where is your mother dead And Lizzie said, I don't know. (laughs) But she was sure that Abby was home because Abby hadn't been feeling well. And Abby had received a note from a friend who was sick who wanted her to come visit her. So she had heard Abby wrestling around in the house. So Mrs. Churchill offered to send her handyman to call the police station from a phone that was several blocks away since the doctor was out. It was around 11.15 a.m. that the police station got a call to respond to an incident at the Borden home. What strikes me is only five minutes has passed. They must have been frantically running all crazy. Well, and also you have to think about, like, what year is this again? I forgot. 1896? Or 1892. You have to think about how quiet... The entire world is. At oh this yeah, moment. there's no cars. There's no yeah. There's, there's or at nothing. least there's not a lot of them. And there's like there's just like a general hum about the world right now because mm-hmm. the cars driving, the electric boxes, the lines, everything. Helicopters, like, airplanes. Yeah, yeah. Buses. We, we're completely yeah. desensitized to it. Back then, like somebody sneezed and like the house over would be like, "Bless you," you know. Man, like, how you loud fuck in that mm-hmm. environment? Exactly. Dang, they'd know. Everybody. Knew. Ew. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, meanwhile, Bridget had returned with Dr. Bowen, who she found along her way to get Alice Russell. Mm -hmm. And he went in to examine the body of Andrew Borden. He asked for a sheet to cover him because he was beyond help. Yeah. He was dead dead. Yeah. So, Lizzie asked Bridget to go upstairs and to see if Abby was there. And if she was all right. Bridget said, hell no. (laughs) She's like, I don't want to. Uh-uh. So, Miss Churchill, being a huge busybody, was like, I'm going to go look. I was just thinking about how, like, I would totally be, like, an Adelaide Churchill. Right. I'm going up there. Mm-hmm. But Lizzie was pretty insistent. She wanted Bridget to go, too. So, Bridget very reluctantly went upstairs with Adelaide. And they're, like, holding hands. 
and like walking up the stairs. They get to the landing on the second floor and they can see into the guest room and they see Abby face down on like in a pool of blood. She is dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so they holler to the doctor that there was another one. And that is a quote. There's another one. Yeah. Dang. Wasn't um, Mr. Um, uh, wasn't he like on the couch in the drawing? Yes, like he was in, in the sitting room on the couch, mm-hmm. and I'll get to that in a minute. So, Abby, the stepmother, I want to talk a little bit about her. Mm-hmm. I hate the way she's described. Mm-hmm. It is not nice. They basically like she's just a fat, ugly troll. Oh my god, she was hideous. I've seen the crime scene photos. She's not big at all. She looks like a normal person. Well, Victorian times, they called her obese like 7,000 times in the papers. No, she's not. No. Not that obese is gross either, but like, Jesus. Yeah. No, she... So she was a spinster at the age of 36 when Andrew married her. She had no close friends save her sister. See, they get ostracized if they're yeah. unmarried. Yeah, they do. And she spent all her time making the house nice for her husband and stepdaughters. And she was just, she just, that's all, that's all that's ever said about her. Her personality is never described. And I think it's funny that even though Abby was in Lizzie's life since Lizzie was three years old, mm-hmm. and Lizzie never knew her mother, mm-hmm. she never, ever called Abby her mother. She called her Mrs. Borden. And so did Emma. It's like they just had an axe to grind with her. Yeah. For no reason. I mean, maybe she was a real big bitch. I just we don't, don't know. We don't know. Yeah. But I kind of doubt it. I do. I think she was just kind of a humorless and dour person like Andrew. Mm-hmm. I think she just, he married her so somebody would look after his damn kids while he was right. trying to go to work. Because that was woman's work. Right. That was skirt work. <laughs> well, at that point, marriage is more like um, like an employee yeah, it, it's more like a business agreement than, like, yeah. you didn't do it for love, usually. No. So, at the time of their deaths, Andrew was 70 and Abby was 64. They'd been killed and the house hadn't been robbed. There had been apparently no motive to kill either of them. They didn't have any known enemies. Like I said, Andrew wasn't a likable guy, but he was respected. Right. Abby only hung out with her fucking sister and some church ladies. There was no reason to kill... Nobody had any reason to kill her. And if it was some weirdo, like, stalking around the house, surely they would have robbed the place. But nothing was touched, and there was plenty of stuff to steal. And everybody was home. Fucking Bridget and Lizzie were home. Let's go past that. Mm -hmm. We'll get to that. I go through the whole timeline of this shit. Woo. Yeah. So, they had been brutally slain with either an axe or a hatchet and were struck multiple times. And when I say multiple, I mean Andrew had 11 blows to the face and the head and the neck, and Abby had 19. This is, if you're going to go to kill somebody, I guarantee you, like, one or two whacks going to do it. Yeah. All those extra, that was some hate behind them. Yeah, I was blows. about to say, that's rage. That's rage. Yes. Mm-hmm. Usually, like, in forensic studies, when you see overkill like that, mm-hmm. it's because it was personal to, mm-hmm. it's not a rando off the street. Exactly. It's personal. They know. They know so, they know. Andrew had been struck from above and behind as he napped on a sofa in the mm-hmm. sitting room. Abby had been struck over 19 times from the back. And her blood was dark and congealed by the time Dr. Bowen examined her body. So this indicated that Abby had likely been killed before Andrew. Mm. 
Dr. Bowen left briefly to send a telegraph to Emma Borden, who was not present the day of the murders. And that comes up later. Where was she? You know? She was just at a friend's house. Mm-hmm. Or at another relative's house. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the specifics, but it doesn't seem to really pertain to the case. Mm-hmm. She so, wasn't like on a trip or something. No. What I find amazing is that the police were there approximately 35 minutes after the handyman called them. That's better than here. And we have like... Cars. Fancy cars and shit. Yeah. Damn, and cell, cell phones. phones. They sent one officer who literally ran four blocks, oh. and he deputized a citizen to assist him right when he got there. <laughs> He's like, you're going to help me out. Yeah. The investigation was not great. Mm-hmm. As, they, as most were back then. No. They didn't use the same standard of investigation that police do today. They never found the murder weapon and only assumed it was an axe or a hatchet. We're not sure. It could have been a machete. Could have been a big knife. Mm-hmm. We're just, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But by the way, like, Andrew's head was kind of bashed in. It really would, because they were, str- he was struck with, like, the pointy part and then bashed with the mm-hmm. smashy part. Mm-hmm. They never found any blood stains on any of Lizzie's clothes. I do like to point that out. But there was some good circumstantial evidence that Lizzie was responsible On August 3rd, Abby went to Dr. Bowen's house and complained that she wasn't feeling well and she was afraid she'd been poisoned, that her and Andrew had been poisoned specifically. She'd been throwing up. You mentioned her not feeling well, and I was like, hmm. Mm -hmm. She'd been throwing up and, you know, had runny poops, and he diagnosed them as having food poisoning. But... That's early, that same day, before Abby went to the doctor, Lizzie tried to buy insect poison poison called prussic acid from a local drugstore. Ten cents worth. Now, in long time ago money, that's quite a lot. She's trying to buy a whole bunch of insecticide, basically. But without a prescription... And I had no idea why you would need to buy insecticide with a prescription, but I guess because this poison was lethal to people too, she you just couldn't go and buy it. Okay. And so the druggist was like, nah. Yeah. And there were tons of witnesses to this that would later appear at the trial. On the evening of August 3rd, Lizzie visited her friend Alice Russell and confided in her that she was worried that something bad was going to happen to her father. And she felt very agitated and upset. Hmm. Weird thing for her to say. Yeah. That afternoon of the 3rd, her Uncle John visited them, and when Lizzie arrived home from Alice's house, she heard them all, like, in the sitting room talking, and weirdly was just like, fuck them, and went up to bed. <laughs> like, she was kind of almost mad about it. Like, I don't know why. She just didn't want to hang out with her uncle. I don't think they got along. There was also, like, the, like, the societal standing that like men had to talk separate from women it was like very like, well abby was in there too they were all having oh, really? a good old time that's, yeah yeah that's strange. yeah okay so the morning of the murders began really normal for the borden household bridget got up at six fifteen a.m to take care of fixing breakfast for andrew and she was just doing her general duties Uncle John left after Andrew left for work, and so they kind of both left around 8.45, 9 o'clock. Abby told Bridget to wash all the windows in the house and to later wash the windows in the guest room, but she was going to go up and straighten it up first because that's where Uncle John was staying. Mm -hmm. When Mr. Borden arrived home from work around, it was like a little after 10 a.m., 
Bridget let him in, and she had to because the door locked from the inside with three separate locks. And she even recalled kind of fumbling with the locks that day. It was just kind of hard to open. They stuck. Mm -hmm. So basically implying that whoever committed these murders was already in the house before John went to work and came back home. So Abby was supposed to be upstairs straightening the guest room for Uncle John. It is suspected that this is when Abby was killed, sometime between 9 and 10 a.m. And John was killed around 11. Bridget had gone to take a nap in her attic room around 10.30. Lizzie had been ironing, like, handkerchiefs, which is what a lame chore, Jesus. (laughs) And... When Bridget was headed upstairs to go take a nap, she left the house and went down to the barn for some unknown reason and was gone for about 20 minutes. Maybe that's where you keep the axe. Yeah, you think? (laughs) John then took a nap in the sitting room. Lizzie says she returned to the house at 11.10, and that's when she found her father. The timeline is very damning. Yeah. There ain't nobody else There's coming. No room. There's so many bitches up in that house. They would have noticed if somebody tried to break in. It is broad daylight. And it's, again, so fucking quiet. So quiet. So quiet. Well, I mean, what kills have... me is that Bridget didn't hear Abby getting murdered. Mm-hmm. John didn't hear Abby getting murdered. Mm-hmm. Lizzie didn't hear. That's a quiet. Just, I mean, to be fair, if you got struck upside the back of the head with a hatchet, yeah. you might not make any noise at all. But I mean, other than a thud, the sweet potatoes when I cut them, they make a goddamn noise, and you can hear them through the, you know, you can hear them across the way. I don't know. Nobody I heard. Just, you know what I mean? It's just kind of weird. But I mean, John didn't hear either, and he got murdered. So like, it's weird. It's weird. I think that she was murdered before he got home. I think she was murdered pretty soon after he and John left the house. Yes. And I think. Bridget was bustling around doing shit and just mm-hmm. didn't hear it. She mm-hmm. was downstairs cleaning the windows or she probably, making breakfast. Yeah, she probably called her to go do something. Go go do blah, blah, blah. Go bang quick. those pans real quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I think. Mm-hmm. So they never found the actual murder weapon, but they found four hatchets in the basement. That's so many. But none of them were the actual ones. They were ruled out because they were, like, dusty and rusty and not used recently. There was one with dried blood and hair on it, but it was later found the hair was from a cow. It was, like, cow's blood. So I guess they'd killed a cow with it. Gross. But, like, I don't know. Mm. They never found the hatchet that killed them. It's probably with the clothes she was wearing. Oh, we'll get to that, too. <laughs> when Lizzie was questioned by police about who could have killed her mother and her father, she pointedly remarked that Abby was her stepmother, not her Ooh. mother. Girl, that's cold. And this made the police frown. It makes me frown. It makes me frown as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she insisted it couldn't have been John or Bridget because John had left at 845 and Bridget had been upstairs in her room. Plus, like, everyone agreed that Bridget was just nice and wouldn't kill people. Yeah. She could only think of one man her father had had an argument with, and it was like a couple months ago, and she had no idea other than that who would want to hurt them. Another uncle came to visit after hearing about the deaths and reported that Lizzie showed no signs of grief or emotion at all. She was very flat. And while, yes, this is suspicious, I maintain it's not a good indicator of guilt. I think the buying of the poison or the attempt to, then her stepmother getting sick. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I think that's a greater indicator of guilt, personally. On August 7th, Alice Russell, her friend, came over and caught Lizzie burning a dress in the stove. And she said, Lizzie, you better not let anyone see you doing that. Obviously. And Lizzie was like, eh, whatever. I spilled paint on this dress so it's ruined, so I'm burning it. Is that what that red stuff is? Yeah. It's paint. paint. See what a fucking liar. Oh, my God. Well, Alice was like, and like told the police immediately. She was like, my friend is killing people. And this is pretty much the main reason Lizzie was arrested, was the dress incident. August 9th was when she was arrested and the trial was a shit show. As it is. It was just people milling around outside. The press was really going cuckoo bananas over this. And just gross in general. The judge at her inquest, like, cried. And he was like, you are so guilty, those poor people. A judge cried? That's so weird. I don't know, I know. why. Isn't it weird? I thought it was I a cry weird all the time about everything, also. but when I think about a judge, I never once think about them crying. That's so funny. I don't... Yeah, so he handed the case over to the grand jury then, because uh, inquests are to see whether or not you send it to the grand jury. The grand jury decides whether or not it's a trial. Okay. So basically, the prosecution said her motive was this, that Andrew was drafting a new will, according to Uncle John. Though it's important to note that no old will was ever found, implying that Maybe Uncle John totally made this shit up. Or something happened to the old will. No, it's not like that. But the new, because the old will would have left everything to Lizzie and Emma. That's the implication. The new will would only give Emma and Lizzie $25,000 each, and the rest of the half a million dollar estate went to Abby. And so Lizzie caught wind of this and killed her father and stepmother, ensuring that Emma and her would get everything. And you know what? I buy it. And they they did. Yeah, they did. They got that half million dollars Mm -hmm. and they split it between them. And they did not get along later in life at all. Didn't they live in like like completely separate places? Eventually, they started out like they sold the Borden house. Mm -hmm. Then they moved to Maple Street, I believe it was. They lived there until well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, so the bit about her trying to buy poison was ruled inadmissible for some fucking reason. It was it was tossed out. The jury never heard it. Also, a lot of her inquest testimony where she contradicted herself on the timeline and just was clearly making up shit and lying was also inadmissible. And the prosecution just fucked up the whole case. They just fucked it up. So, the defense spent only two days presenting their case. Their main witness was Emma Borden, who refused, who refuted what Uncle John said about the will. She's like, there's no will. He's full of shit. Thus destroying the motive. John, she also testified that she'd seen a young man in a straw hat lingering around the house in the days leading up to the murders. That's so annoying. I see this in almost every case that we cover. A literal straw man, oh if you God. will. It's like, so it's stupid. almost funny. As a result of the poor performance of the prosecution and, like, lack of any actual evidence, Lizzie Borden was found innocent, and the murder of the Bordens remain unsolved to this day. I'm going to guess that the two pieces that were made inadmissible, especially the bit about the poison, is what sunk that case. Yeah. 
sunk it just mm-hmm. to the bottom of the ocean mm-hmm. because oh shit she did it yeah i just there's no yeah. one else who could have i like to go with occupant's razor on this and the most simple explanation is usually the explanation it's not like i have one in for lizzie borden bitch is dead and i don't care but when looking at this case even when i was a kid i was like why is there any question she killed him she hated her stepmother and her dad broke her heart when he was going to leave that bitch all the money mm-hmm so she got what she wanted, and she got money. I think she, her and Emma colluded in on this, mm-hmm. and I've always thought so. Yep. I think that's why Emma left town, because mm-hmm. Lizzie was the stronger of the two. Mm-hmm. Emma was a tiny, tiny little wisp. She'd probably get in the way, and then she would, you She'd know, bumble it. She would fuck up on the stand. Mm-hmm. She would, you know, and if so, she if she didn't see anything, hear anything, she, she wasn't there, yeah. then she wouldn't fuck up the case. No. Because they seem to have, like, after the trial, here's what happened. So they sold the Borden house Mm -hmm. because it was bad memories or some shit, which, fine. No, it's a museum. Then they moved into a house together. Mm -hmm. But shortly after they started having falling outs, and it was based on Lizzie meeting this actress at the time named Nance O'Neill. And she moved into the house. And Emma moved out. It seems to me that, yes, Lizzie was a lesbian, not with the maid, but with this actress. And they had, like, a two-year love affair. Emma did not approve of it. And they started having, like, legal disagreements over properties and such. But they settled quietly out of court. The sisters? Yes, the sisters. And Lizzie never married, of course. Mm -hmm. And her only real affair was really that ever made any news was with that actress. So, I do think that's where a lot of the ideas that the maid was involved and that her and Lizzie were together is because of her affair with that actress, which is pretty much public knowledge. Mm -hmm. Now, Lizzie died at age 67 from complications from a gallbladder surgery she'd had. She developed pneumonia, and her sister Emma died nine days later after a bad fall, which I just thought was interesting. They died so close together. They both left their wealth to various charitable organizations. Neither one of them ever married. Wow. I just find it interesting. And also, Lizzie donated most of her money to animal charities. Mm. I don't know why I thought that was cute. Yeah. It was. So here's the theories. Of course, there's the Lizzie did it theory. And, uh, yeah. Obviously. That's where I'm at. Now, what I waffle on is whether Emma was involved. Mm-hmm. But I think she was. The sisters were really close growing up. Really close. And they both hated their stepmom. Hated her. They loved their dad, but again, he often make, made them mad mm-hmm. because he was so fruit, like, so such a tightwad, it mm-hmm. like pissed them off. They're spoiled and they wanted what they wanted. And they had that bent, like pent up resentment building. They sure did. And I think he was really mad at them that they didn't marry. I think it was kind of a source of shame. Yeah, and he probably reminded, reminded them. Oh, yeah. All the time. Again, the reason I think that the case was sunk is that she was a woman, Mm -hmm. and they just didn't think a woman would do something so violent, Mm -hmm. and that they didn't allow certain things in there that really pointed to her guilt. Another theory is, a stranger did it. Why, though? That just doesn't jive with me. Why would she be burning a dress with blood paint on it? Right. No. Mm -mm. I don't buy it. Mm -mm. Here's another one people love. 
Uncle John did it and made up the whole mess about the will. I've heard this theory before, and it just doesn't have any room. There's no room for it to happen. There's no room. Didn't he have an alibi, too, that saw him yes. whenever he left? When everything? he left, there were witnesses for him yeah. leaving the house, including like the errands he went on. Mm-hmm. And he didn't return until way later when the police were there. Right. I don't think he did it. No. It's dumb. One of the theories I find super ridiculous is that Lizzie did it, but on accident. Oops. And I'll explain. So she was said to have had temporal lobe epilepsy. I have that, by the way. Have and you that, ever whacked somebody 37 times in the head? I have not. Okay. I have not hit anyone with an axe. She was said to have fits around her period. And she was on her period that day. Okay. My seizures are worse around my period. That is true because of a rise in estrogen levels and some other right. fucking factors that are irrelevant. But I get dizzy and I like pass out or get yeah. migraines. You're I don't gonna, like black axe out. murder. Mm-hmm. They said she bla- had a fit. That's what they called it back then, and like accidentally axed or hatcheted Abby to death, and then killed her father so that he couldn't testify against her. Yeah, that makes sense. I see people all the time have seizures and just throw hatchets around. It's it's so common. Why was she carrying around a hatchet? See, it just don't make no fucking sense. Uh, Her seizure led her out to the barn to go get the... Here's another one equally fucking stupid, by the way. Bridget did it, and here's why. So she, when she was made to wash all the windows, remember it was really, really hot that day, mm-hmm. and she got heat madness. Oh, good Lord. These are modern theories. Those are modern? That one is that she got, like, heat stroke and went crazy and, like, axed everyone. I have such severe heat sensitivity that I literally pass out if I get too hot, and... I've had heat strokes, I've, I've had, had heat, heat stroke. attacks, I've had heat, like, sickness, and no. 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 No, it's so stupid. It makes me want to lay down. It does not make me want when to When I got heat anybody. stroke, I just threw up and then got yeah. dizzy. Yeah. Um, and heat is a trigger for my epilepsy, too. Yeah. But again, I pass out. If you have heat stroke, you're not hatcheting anyone, I promise no. you. Stupid. stupid. I mean, I can see that she's like, Bitch made me wash these windows on this hot day. Yeah. I can kind of see axing someone for that. Mm-hmm. But Bridget wasn't like that. And let's point something out. She was very fortunate to have landed this job. It was a pretty cushy job. It paid pretty well. She was an immigrant from Ireland, and everyone hated the Irish back yeah. then. Like, a lot. They were considered, like, basically thieves and criminals. Yeah, like rats. Yes, that's what they called them. They were just Mm -hmm. awful to them. Mm -hmm. Why would she make herself homeless on the street? Like, why would she risk being in prison? Like, she she had such a good job and a good opportunity. And she got along with the sisters really well. Mm -hmm. Which brings us to our last theory that's bantered around, which is that Lizzie, Emma, and Bridget all colluded together to do it. I think that one has more legs. I was about to say, "Mm, girls stick together, you know. Possibly, but... And there's no saying that they didn't have, like, some sort of relationship. You never know. I'm putting a big question mark on that. I don't like it because it... It romanticizes things and it makes it... There's an imbalance of power, too, between Lizzie and Bridget, so I just don't like thinking about her using her imbalance of power against that younger girl who was in a vulnerable position. I'm not saying it's not possible, but I find that rumor in particular to be sort of gross. And since there's no documentation, while there is documentation of her being with Nance, 
I, right. I go with that one. Right. What I think instead happened, because Bridget just, she was really religious and kind of straight, I just doubt it, is I think it was Emma and Lizzie. Yeah. I think the two of them planned it together. Lizzie said she would do it because she was the stronger of the two, right. and that Emma would leave town so she would have a good alibi and then defend her in court. And that's exactly what happened. And they got away with it. Mm-hmm. And they split the money. They did. They split it 50-50. And never married, so no man ever got their hands on it. And no children, so it just went to the puppies and kitties. Mm-hmm. That's some fin fatale shit right there. It really is. It is. I mean, they got a lot of money out of the deal, too. Half a million dollars. Half a million dollars back then is several million dollars today. Oh, many, many millions. Many it's like 10 million. It's if, a lot. If 10 cents buys you a lot of rat poison or insect poison. Puric acid. Puric acid. I looked it up. That shit will kill you, yeah. but not effectively if not dosed properly. But it would make you have symptoms of food poisoning. Mm. I bet she went to another pharmacist. Yeah, absolutely. And got it and tried to poison them first. Now, okay, so, but like... She's 32, and she's, like, fairly fit. Like, Uh-huh. She's in decent shape. Yeah. I was going to say, because, I mean... Emma children, was smaller, like, more frail. Well, children across the board tended to chop wood and stuff like that, you know, growing up in those I things, don't... So. Since she was affluent, I really doubt Lizzie did any of that shit. But she did walk around a lot, and she wasn't... You know, she was pretty... She looks pretty fit in the pictures. Well-fed. But not, but pretty fit. She could have hatchet them. Okay. Abby was very small. She was very short. I think she was under five feet tall. And that's why she went off. And she got her upstairs while she was straightening up that room, probably bent over to pick oh, up Abby. something. Oh, Abby. Sorry, I got, Abby, I got yeah. people mixed up. And then Andrew was asleep, and she knocked him over the head from behind. Yes. So yes, I've seen those easy. pictures, yeah. They're gross. Mm-hmm. Um, Even in black and white and... Which I won't. I'd love to post them, but Facebook will get mad at me. Yes. So I'm not going to post a crime scene picture. And they're famous, y'all. Just Google it. Yeah. But I will yeah. put in pictures of all these people because I think it's they're funny. We can, we can maybe crop or something. No. There's no cropping. There's, There's blood no. everywhere. Yeah. It's pretty gruesome. Yeah. Like, they basically buried um, her dad without his head. Yeah. There wasn't nothing really. It was just a smear. Yeah. And now the house, um, it's not technically a museum. It's like an Airbnb slash museum. Like, it's set up the way that they had it that night. Yes. Um, And I I don't know if it's necessarily the same furniture. It could just be replicas. I would say it's replicas because the couch itself would have had to been thrown out. It was covered in blood. Yeah. Gross. Um, But, yeah, they, they have it set up exactly the way that the family had it. So that way you can, like... Yeah, and apparently it's really creepy. I'm sure it is. Um, You know, I listened to a few podcasts on this, and I'm just going to say this, that I want to promise to never do this, is make a bunch of wild accusations and pulling stuff out of our ass because we don't know. Mm -hmm. We're not detectives, okay? And y'all aren't either. Let's just be clear. It's fun to speculate and think about all the different things that could happen, but we're never going to say definitively no. unless we have. And don't facts. do that because real people are getting harassed. We can speculate on a case yeah. that happened like almost 200 years ago because. Yeah. But she got, I mean, she got taunted with those little nursery rhymes all day, every day. She did. She couldn't even go to church anymore. Because they were mean to her at church. Mm-hmm. I don't feel sorry for her because I think she killed them. Yeah. And the least you could do is put up with that ridiculous nursery rhyme since right. you got half, a, like almost half a million dollars. Like, right. shut up. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. But no, but like with the Gabby Petito case, I think in particular where people were like harassing like the parents of Brian Laundry. Look, I know he did it. Like obviously, I know they they probably helped him, but but we don't harass afterwards. people. That's fucked. You're not a detective, ding dongs. No, and you're not law enforcement, and you have no badge. Just sit. the best way to help in true crime cases that are unsolved is to spread the word, especially cases that don't get attention, like women of color, children of color, and LGBT community, and mm-hmm. spread the word. Share these posts mm-hmm. and keep an eye out. Absolutely. And and look after your brothers and your sisters. Absolutely. Even if they're from other misters. Mm-hmm. But going around playing armchair detective and harassing people online, y'all, I'll disown you. Mm-hmm. You don't get to come to the cruelty party then. Mm-hmm. That shit's fucked up. Mm-hmm. I really think, like, I don't know. I just don't like it. It makes me mad. Yeah. And I'm never going to encourage that shit. We will speculate from time to time, but that's why I personally like picking these older cases. Anybody that could be harmed by my speculation is deceased, so there is no one to harm. Mm-hmm. And like covering, like I covered Rasputin the other day. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, he has like grandchildren alive, but like right. they're not going to be hurt if I joke about how big his dick right. was. Well, and like on um, on the Patreon one that we did on Clementine Barnabit. Yeah. Um, I really like speculating on that one because it has become. Just like this one has become folklore, basically. Yes, for sure. This story has been told so many times that, you know, we, like, it's a generalization definitive of what happened, even though it's technically not solved. It's very similar. I agree with you Mm -hmm. on that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you go after folklore, you're going to ruffle some feathers. Yeah, because people want to stick by what they're taught. They saw a movie in which Lizzie Borden and her maid were, like, making out, so now that's true. Right. No, it isn't. Right. We don't know. We can speculate, and it's fun, but at some point, chill out. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. So, business time real quick, Willow. Business time. I won't sing. It's because I have heart burn a little bit. I ate a big old piece of chocolate cake. chocolate. I needed it because today's tried my patience. (laughs) So, yeah. Would you like an extra episode every week? God, y'all, our Patreon is so fun. It I is. love doing our Patreon episodes. I do, too. We really love cut it. loose on mm-hmm. those. Well, and we can do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. We sure can. I mean, we can do whatever we want on this. I just covered the Alyssa Turney case, which was a missing person's that case. That thing, oh, that ripped my whole heart out. Yeah, it was rough. But, I mean, we, we go off theme, typically, mm-hmm. and just kind of cover whatever we mm-hmm. want in the moment. We have a lot of fun with it. And there's no ads. You get a free episode a week, mm-hmm. an extra one. And there's now a private Facebook group for patrons. So right. you guys can chat with us and recommend us cases because we will take those recommendations Absolutely. over others. Absolutely. And just general fuckery and fun. And that's patreon.com slash cruelty. So $5 a month, you get not just the Patreon episode ad-free, but you get Maris Monday, you get two episodes from us, Regular Cruelty, so it's four episodes a week. Yeah. Every week. Every week. How many is that per month? Oh, my Lord. Like, I don't know. Numbers. I think four, it's four, 16. So 16. And then once we get enough patrons, we will be able to, you know, hook you guys up with merch. We're artists, so... We're working on we're it working, right now. We have it's on its way. We're just waiting for... More people. More people. More people. And then we can do all the other cool stuff that we want to do. Absolutely. So for $5 
a month is nothing. Also, we, um, not that, not that we're not grateful for every $5 we are. Um, but we're also doing a coffee fund and we were given, um, Ten dollars in our coffee fund the other day, and so we got to take ourselves out. We got fancy coffee drinks. It was so nice because we never fun. get out of our house. We saw actually a bunch of people we know. It was that was fantastic, cool. and we got to support a local coffee shop, and they were just darling. And they're um, wonderful there. So if you're ever in mm-hmm. Holiday Island, go to Live in High Coffee. It is super good. Mm-hmm. Super good. I had a mocha frappe. Thing. I had a latte. <laughs> we appreciate any and all support that this podcast gets because it means we get to keep doing it. And it just it warms our hearts and melts it completely just knowing and that a little puddle. You guys are here with us, you're listening, and we are being heard, and that's really exciting. And our audience has jumped from let's just say the start of February, we had thirty-five listeners. We now have a hundred and sixty-seven. It's pretty fantastic, Heart y'all. melted completely. Yeah, we're goo. Mm-hmm. We're goo. But thank you for listening. If only way you can support us is listen, thank you. Th- that means, means the world. The world. Mm-hmm. That's what we do Absolutely. it for. Yeah. Absolutely. So until next time, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Don't forget to check out the link tree in the description box. It contains the links to all the things. You can go find our any and all of our social media pages. So you can like those and share them. would be super rad. Mm-hmm. In addition to all the other creative endeavors we do. Mm-hmm. So until next time, good night. We love you. We love you. Find us on your social media platform of choice. Linktree slash cruelty has all of the links. Check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, merch, ad-free episodes, live ghost hunts, and much more. Please be sure to subscribe. New episodes are uploaded weekly. Thank you so much. See you next time. Music and production by Willie V.